Inner Voice, a heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice Show. I'm Dr. Fujian Zain. I'm a psychotherapist, an author, and the originator of the Awareness Integration Theory. And hello to Sean, our director in the studio. This is a show about what matters most in our life. Our minds, our thoughts, feelings, actions, relationships, and our fulfillment in this beautiful journey of life. Today, I will share the tip of the week about the importance of self-awareness and becoming and acting from our whole person. Then I bring you Eugene Popa. He's the president of Romania Hypnosis Association and the international speaker and trainer. Eugene has been studying and practicing and teaching hypnosis and other therapeutic developments. He's been teaching in Europe, USA, Latin America, and Asia. In the Ask Me segment, I will share with you how we can let go of needing to take revenge and care to actually take care of ourselves. And then I bring you Dr. Isabel Hunsinger. She's a functional doctor of medicine, supporting people with Alzheimer's, dementia, cognitive decline, anxiety, depression, and diabetes through Doctor on a Mission. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel and podcast. Connect with me through fujanzane.com. I love to hear from you, so send me a message. First, here's the tip of the week. Here's the tip of the week. I keep talking about awareness integration theory, and you might be interested in what is the awareness integration theory. And how come I chose two important titles, awareness and then integration? I do think that at every moment in life, when we are aware and not just working on automatic, that we do get to choose, um, observe, look at things that are there about ourselves internally and everything that's going outside of us um, and how we react. What are the ways that we think? What are our belief systems that maybe we got from our parents, from our surrounding, from our culture, from many, 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 many thousand years ago? And we're still carrying those belief systems and how those types of belief systems still impact our life. Some of them might be amazing. Some of them might be in the way that we continue growing and moving forward. And some of them might be limiting, holding us back. We don't even know why. We just heard it. And we said, we bought it, we heard it, and we bought it. What are some of the emotions that are consistently coming up, pouring out? And uh, it's as if I have no control over it. And um, we have no idea where they're coming from. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it is a response to what's happening um, outside of us. Maybe it's just beyond just checking to see what it is, but the emotions are also coming from something that we see and then we associate it with something nasty, something that's wrong, and then we have a lot of emotion. And it might not be accurate, but we might have a lot of projections. This is how our brain works. Our brain works in a way that is consistently checking to see if it's safe, if it's in danger, 
if it's um, going to be harmed, if it's going to survive, if it's pleasurable, if it wants to continue, if it wants to run away, if it wants to stop that experience, there is an evaluative concept. We gain information from outside. We kind of look at the information based on what we knew before. We assign meaning to it. We have emotions. And then many times we react. So partly the awareness of how we think, how we feel, how we act, it's important because when we are aware, then we can choose it and continue it, or we could choose out and not continue the same behavior or thought process or emotions, and then do something else. Think differently, have a different feeling, um, act differently, and certainly have a different result. So where does the integration part come? Well, we all split up different parts of us, act differently and have different uh, need. Um, there might be different ages that we've had different experiences and they've just become separated, kind of like waiting to be integrated. Somebody take care of them, somebody give them their needs. So the integration part is when we do become aware of all of these parts of us, which we haven't taken care of before. And um, there's a process to integrate them simply with the rest of us and bringing the strengths that we have as an adult um, and give it to the other parts of us who um, have kind of gotten frozen in time with the belief system, with the emotion, and kind of just went away from the rest of us. But almost daily, they stop talking internally, or they'll come through and leak in our reactions. When we become aware and take um, an assertive way of being with ourselves and take ownership, take responsibility for the emotions, for the thought process, for every act that we do, that's when we can live a fulfilled life. And living that fulfilled life, it's a deserving concept. We all deserve it. We deserve to be happy. In that deserving, we also deserve to be accountable and responsible. When you are accountable and responsible, then you can find the source. Okay, this is the source of where all of this is coming from. This is how it's showing up for me. It's coming up because of the way I'm thinking. And um, then I can do reality check. I can see exactly what's going on out there and then figure out what is it I want to do. For example, if somebody's coming and they're not feeling very well, maybe it's our boss, maybe it's our mate, maybe it's our children, it's our family members or friends or somebody I don't even know on the, you know, they're walking on the street and maybe their behavior in a way, maybe they're angry or uh, they're kind of like isolative and uh, their facial expression is not like kind and smiling and welcoming. And maybe I've had different reactions from before and I've, you know, multiple experiences that just weren't pleasant than childhood. And then I automatically have reactions to this person's facial expression or, um, lack of facial expression and then I would sit down and think about all of the stuff that I have about this guy and, and a woman and um, you know how their day and why are they this way and um, judge them a lot and uh, then react to them and none of it could be true it could be just my projection that I am getting really triggered by other people so when I'm aware of the triggers that I get all day 
And maybe if I can check them out, maybe regardless of their behavior, I can still kind of connect to what it is that I want to create, what kind of relationship I want to create, um, even if it's a short term even if it's just I'm getting coffee and leaving, or it's in a longer term relationships with mates and family members and work. Maybe if I get triggered less, then I can see reality and I can work with whatever is in front of me as that reality and work with that person and whatever is needed at that moment, whatever result I want to get created. Most of us and most of my clients that I talk to, we get caught in our triggers, we react based on something that we thought. We don't act, we react. So it's almost like creating this kind of a filter in the middle so that we can get to be aware, like a camera that we can install, we can become aware. And based on awareness, we can see what it is we want, intended, then act and create it. So aware, Awareness, um, intention, action, creation, right? Um, so the more you can become triggerless, I call it the Teflon effect, nothing sticks, right? Um, we can have a more of a fulfilled life. We can experience bliss at every moment because kind of nothing sticks, right? So for more observational, um, techniques and knowing how to become aware. Go to my book, Life Reset, um, in Amazon or anywhere else you like, or go to my website, fujonzain.com. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Dr. Fukan Zane, and I am excited to have Eugene Popa with me again. Um, he is the president of Romania uh, Hypnosis Association and international speaker and trainer. Eugene has been studying, practicing, and teaching hypnosis and other therapeutic personal development interventions for over 13 years. He's been teaching them in Europe, USA, Latin America, and Asia. He's a certified master trainer in hypnosis, NLP, parts therapy, Yagarian therapy, resource therapy, and many other wonderful mindful and heartful interventions. Welcome to the show, Eugene. Thank you so much for having me here. It's always a joy and it's always a pleasure and I'm looking forward to this one. Same here. Now, everyone, if you want to hear our uh, last conversation, which was um, about two weeks ago, so um, I would ask you to go back to uh, either my podcast or YouTube channel and um, and visit what we talked about. But today, um, we wanted to talk about how hypno hypnosis works with uh, different parts. You also have um, certification parts therapy, and it's more like um, many times as we go and uh, work with someone as they maybe they had trauma as a childhood or. Um, they, they kind of separate themselves from different parts. And one of the things that hypnosis has been doing is um, to work through, to align, integrate, bring all of those parts together. So can you share a bit about how hypnosis is effective in those types of work? Yeah, so um, what is very interesting is that parts are actually uh, intrinsic of our way of being and also of our life and of our way of expressing ourselves 
um, so many times and so often uh, we say, you know, there's a part of me who wants this and there's another part of me who wants that. And I always giggle inside when I hear people say those words or, you know, use those expressions because that is such a clear and direct way of showing me how to work with that person. Uh, like you said, you know, I've, I've, I've been, you know, studying and teaching and practicing um, yeah, Gerian therapy, which is a, uh, a type of parts therapy, parts therapy by Charles Stebbets, resource therapy, and so many other different methods. And they all have their own particularities, but they all are based on the same concept of us human beings um, making use of this idea of parts. And um, anytime I, uh, or every time I actually talk to somebody about, um, and I try to introduce this concept to them, I, um, I always bring about this idea of, um, you know, there's this Latin dicton, which says, divide and conquer, right? Divided impera. So I say to the client, basically, it's kind of like you dividing that problem, chunking it down, making it into small chunks so you can conquer it. Right now, you see that problem is like a huge problem, so big. Uh, but, you know, if you chunk it down, if you, if you make it smaller, uh, then, you know, it's, it's so much easier for you to work with, with that particular issue. So, um, you know, it's going to be so much easier to, you know, uh, conquer it. So um, working with parts, it's very easy for me, at least. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I always like to use parts because um, it seems that everybody understands the idea, at least like the general concept. And then when we go into the nitty gritty with it, it's just, you know, very easy flow. People are just, uh, you know, going with it. And one very interesting um, aspect, one that is very uh, appreciated, I would say, by some of the people is that you don't have to close your eyes and, you know, do like a hypnotic trance. And now I'm hypnotized and then I can work with parts. Uh, the, the cool thing with parts is that you can work with them conversationally um, and you know people really appreciate that and one other very important aspect which I always I always bring up up front when I talk to people or when I do when I do classes is that when you're using parts when you're working with a client with parts you don't actually need to know the problem um, and that makes it so desirable for many clients who are afraid or ashamed to talk about their problem. So when you work with parts, you don't even actually have to know the details of the issue. You can just work with the parts and help that person uh, solve their problem. Well, it's interesting because a lot of times when I meditate, when you listen actually to yourself, there's a dialogue all the time happening. There isn't like one tonality in one conversation. There's always a, a dialogue of different parts of you having conversations with each other, sometimes debating with each other very, very Yeah, yeah. Um, There's actually, there was actually a very cool joke, you know, so, you know, somebody goes to the therapist and the therapist asks the client, so do you hear voices? And the answer is, no, tell him no, tell him no, tell him no. <laughs> it's, so. it's interesting in how we, uh, like you said, innately, we have 
we, we split ourselves in different versions of the desires, wants, experiences. Especially, um, we do have, it doesn't matter if anybody has had a harsh, 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 uh, you know, life-threatening trauma, or just, you know, just kind of like what we call small T's, small traumas, where every human being at one point or another, when they didn't get it their way or something sudden happened that they weren't ready, um, there's a part of them that kind of resists it. <clears throat> and when that yeah. type of resistance shows up, somehow we kind of like split ourselves in many ways. And I know that um, working through, and you know, we call it also regression, when we work it through where the, you, you gain the different parts of you, you get awareness of the different parts that even in different ages of you have kind of uh, held um, held back and haven't yeah. integrated into the system, uh, that working with those elements and bringing them and bringing them into a holistic aspect really, really works. What are your thoughts about an experience with uh, regression? I think the, the word regression has been utilized in, in, two, in two ways. One yeah. is uh, when we talk about experiencing, for example, a memory or something that we had in a childhood and fully experiencing it as if we are there again in a memory. So we call that regression. But there's also the conversation of which with hypnosis, um, I think have been famous also with past life regression, if people believe in past life regression. Yeah. So what, are, what has your experience been with either or? Yeah, uh, it's so funny, you know, when I first studied about hypnosis, uh, my teacher at the time, he said, when you're going to have your first client go into a past life, you're going to be like, oh, my God, you know, that's amazing, past life and all that stuff. <clears throat> and he said, after you've done about 100 or two of them, you're not having that reaction. You're going to go like, oh, here's another one, you know. So because he said that, when I actually had my first client, I was like, ah, he's one of those guys, you know? So that's like, you know, water under the bridge kind of a thing. So um, I always tell people, you know, it's it's so irrelevant of, you know, it's, it's really, you know, it's so important actually to keep in mind why we are doing that particular session. Um, and if, if we are doing a session because we want to help the client achieve a particular goal, like healing most of the time, then regression is just secondary. It's kind of like, you know, if you're hungry, you don't care what kind of, you know, utensil you use, a spoon or a fork or what are you using to feed yourself? Because in the end of the day, what is important is for you to be fed, regardless of the tools or, you know, the, the dishes that you're using to, to, to achieve that goal. And so in the same way, I'm looking at hypnosis and a, a regression. It can be past life regression or this life regression or whatever type of regression. I always tell people it's, it's, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant from a perspective of the final outcome. Now, some people, they come and say, I want you to do hypnotic regression with me. And I tell them, you know, it's kind of like you're going to the doctors and say to the doctor, you know what, I would like for you to do a vasectomy on me because I think I have an issue, but because there's that vein. So when you make the cut, it's like you're kind of like telling the doctor what to do. And um, I, I, I don't do that. So um, I think a lot of people um, have a beautiful fantasy about hypnosis and about regression. Um, but they, you know, they're like two types, two types of people, I would say, those who have a problem and they want to solve it, 
and those who heard about regression and past life, and they want to have an experience. And for this second type of people, I call them recreational hypnosis, because it's kind of like, you know, you could as well go to the movies, but you want to do a hypnotic regression and find out if you're a king or a prince. Nobody was a stable guy. Nobody was, a, you know, um, a, um, you know, a head chopper. Nobody was, you know, digging graves. Everybody was some sort of a, you know, noble something. Um, so I, I, there is a lot of value in this. Now, some people have very vivid experiences and they even go so far as to, you know, go and research and see if it's really so as they had that experience. Um, it is not for me to say if it's true or false. I'm not saying it's false. I'm not saying it's baloney. I also not saying it's true. It's, I always like to play with whatever comes. And uh, I tell people, you know, when the mind doesn't have an answer, it will create one. So um, that's why I don't care for the details of the answer as much as I care for the result of the intervention of the session. So if you want to solve this issue, as long as it's moral, as long as, you know, you know it's um, ecological, then we can do whatever we need to do to help you achieve your goal. But I'm not going to play like because it's the same thing with parts, you know, when, you know, there are the the upper echelon, so to speak, of regression is past life regression. The upper echelon for parts is entities and energies and, uh, you know, energy attachments and so on and so forth. Again, I don't care if it's true or false. I only care if the, in the end of the session, that person doesn't have that problem anymore. Um, in continuation of an agreement and continuation of what you were saying, um, I know that for myself is more about how I, um, what the emotions and the impact of those emotions and belief and visualizations are having on the person. Um, because the impact, I think, is important. Sometimes I've said it doesn't, it's regardless of whether it's true or it's just a good hallucination. If it works for you and if it's working for all aspects of your life, good, utilize it. You know, it's, I don't know if it's true or a good hallucination, but, exactly. if it, but if it's bothering you, whether it's accurate and true or if it's a, you know, um, a disturbing hallucination, then maybe we need to work it through and kind of let it go. Um, and I've also had people who say they have, when they are going through some experiences, they have parts of the vision uh, or parts of the memory, and then they want to um, recreate the rest of the memory at that moment. Yeah. And sometimes it also, they recreate it in a way that is harsh and is, um, it's not pleasant for them or people around them. So it's yeah. very much important to see that the experience that the brain has, it's an and the body has and your emotions has can, as you called it, be very creative. Um, and whether that creation someday happened as a true event or not, the point is that the, <clears throat> the person is recreating whatever they want out of it and right. also creating new images around it based on whatever is going on with them. So um, I do agree that it's important to work um, and for our, for our audience, it's important for, you, for people to know that if it's something disturbing them in life and it's not working for them and working in a way, no, it's not working for them or anybody else around them, 
that's the part that they want to clean, they want to clear, they want to uh, treat. Um, and if there are areas that is truly working for them and others, you know, sometimes they say, oh, it works for me, but everybody around them, it's not working for them. Yeah. But if it's working for them and others, then um, it's true for them. It's irrelevant of whether it's true, you know, on a, an event happened or not, but it is true for them and fine, like keep it because obviously you found some thought process and a belief process that it's, uh, it's supporting you and giving you strength. Absolutely. And it's so interesting to touch on this point because what people don't understand, you know, there's this idea, you know, this word which makes it sound very fancy, but actually, uh, you know, confabulation where basically you mix, you, you mix facts with your own imagination. And what people don't understand is that every time we ask ourselves the question, but what if the answer is a confabulation? The answer is actually our imagination gone wild out of our control. And we don't realize that actually imagination has gone wild, spinning out of control, but our body reaction is real. So, so when people say, uh, you know, when you tell people, imagine, you know, like imagine the good stuff, they say, oh, but that's just in my head. Well, so is the bullshit. It's also in your head. You know, the, con the negative imagination is also just in your head. Um, but you would rather not even question the negative imagination and treat it as, of course, I will think bad stuff because I don't know, I'm going to protect myself. And uh, therefore, it's, it must be true. But I don't have the same attitude towards, uh, you know, the positive imagination or positive confabulation, because then you'd say, oh, but I'm lying to myself. You're lying to yourself either way, at least, you know, lie to yourself in the positive way so you can have a positive outcome. Very much. Um, you also have uh, an amazing symposium coming, in, coming up in a couple of days, actually. So could you share a little bit about that? And I will be there the first day. So everyone who's listening, come over and listen to us. Yes, yes. So we have an amazing uh, event, uh, the Hypnosis Master Summit. Uh, and I'm very, very uh, lucky and blessed that you are going to uh, present in it also, of course, in day one. Um, and it's, 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 a, it's an online event. It's free to attend for everyone, everyone who's listening to this. You can attend for free for the, uh, the summit. Um, it is a seven days program, six hours per day. You don't have to listen to all of the presentations if you don't have time or if you're not interested, but you do have 24 hours free access to all of the presentations when they are played live. And like I said, 24 hours after. And if you want to have lifetime access, then you can sign up for a premium pass, which is you know a fraction of a price. Basically, we've, we've kind of worked out we put together all of the value of all of the presentations and all of the bonuses from all of the speakers presenting at this summit. And, um, you know, the value is over $5,000. Now, if, uh, you know, like I said, if you only can sign up for free using the link in the description of this podcast or of this YouTube video, and in that link, you can go ahead and sign up for free. And when you sign up, um, like I said, you don't have to pay anything. You can enjoy it all, all of the live presentations. Um, but if you do want to get lifetime access to them, it's, uh, you know, like $67 or $97, something like that. And you have lifetime access to all of the video recordings, all of the audio recordings. You can also download them and listen to them on, on the go. 
you also have subtitles for all of the videos you also have transcripts of all of the videos if you want to read the information and we actually had we actually had people who said i don't like to watch stuff or listen to but i love to read so um you know for those if you're one of those then you can read all of the presentations there are over 40 speakers from all around the world talking about presenting on the subject of hypnosis principle of hypnosis techniques methods practices to help you understand yourself better and to help you help others if you're working with clients uh, in this direction. Beautiful. Thank you so much for spending the time again with us. I always enjoy having a conversation with you and hopefully with uh, new ventures that you have, we'll have you back on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you everyone for being with us. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right Um, a gentleman has written for me and said that he has been um, brokenhearted by someone who he had, was in an intimate relationship. And now he is living in this type of hatred and uh, he hates everybody and he doesn't want to socialize with anybody. And all he can think about is how to get revenge um, from everybody. It's not just the person. He has gone into this corner that everyone's bad and I want to um, attack everyone and just be revengeful. All he can think about is the negativity that anyone has. And he doesn't want to because another part just keeps stopping him. So he says, how do I go through this battle, the internal battle? Well, I'm sorry that you have gone through so much. I'm sorry that you're hurting. It really seems like you are hurting so much that this pain has become so generalized toward everybody, every human being on the face of the earth. So the first thing that I can request from you is don't generalize it. There's one person who has done something which you have felt hurt and pain. Whether they intended to harm you or they didn't intend to harm you, they did whatever they wanted to do, not knowing that it would hurt you so much that it would be this much of an anguish for you. The point is you're suffering. You already got suffered from whatever this person did or the expectation you had from that relationship. The rest of it is more like you are now growing your own suffering, which is unnecessary for you. You do not need to. Um, generalize this to all the humanity and look at everything that's out there that is bad. You actually do need support. So look at the great people who are around you, who can be with you, who can nurture you, who can love you and remind you that there are people who love you and that you deserve it and that you deserve to be with people who, uh, who care for you. And I'm sorry that something has happened for you and maybe you can... Um, see what you've learned from that relationship and uh, maybe even take responsibility for the side of the relationship maybe that you were looking at you're in denial maybe you did something that also hurt them and maybe take your learning and forgive yourself first for that relationship and forgive them and move on you've already been in a relationship you've already suffered through it you don't need to carry the suffering the rest of this is now you hurting yourself and you don't need to Thank you. 
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Dr. Pujan Sain, and I am so excited to have Dr. Isabel Hunsinger, who's a functional doctor of medicine, and um, she is um, amazing. We're going to have an amazing conversation. She and her husband, who is a culinary nutrition expert, Chef Michael, have been supporting people with Alzheimer's, dementia, cognitive decline, anxiety, depression, and diabetes through DrUnmission.com. Uh, welcome to the show. Hello, Dr. Fujian. Good to see you. It is so nice to see you. And you are, where are you? Australia, New Zealand? I'm in New Zealand. New Zealand. So yeah, thank we've been for um, arranging this time. It's kind of hard sometimes when we arrange between, you know, other countries <laughs> trying to kind of work together. So thank you for arranging all of this. My pleasure. I know it is kind of crazy with daylight savings and all that time, but anyway, it's fantastic. So tell us about what a functional doctor of medicine does. How come you call it functional? Uh, well, I didn't call it functional. That was a term that came up in the early years. Uh, functional just essentially is realizing that we don't have a healthcare system. We've got disease management. And after practicing medicine since not 1991 myself, in 2000, I realized, wow, I'm not getting, my people aren't getting better. And that really made me sad. I was just kind of managing their disease. So I found functional medicine. Functional medicine just helps get to the bottom line of why people are not well. And instead of just giving them drugs or sending them for surgeries, we get to the root reason. We get into the ground and figure out what's going on. And then we just uh, help cultivate new plants. I mean, that's just the metaphor I use. And when you say that we're going to go to the, uh, like the source, the essence of it, have you found that, is it more of a biological? Is it more of a psychological? Is it a combination of the two? Everything. It's multifaceted. It's spiritual, it's relationship, it's body, it's psychological, it's the whole picture. We look at the person as a whole person instead of just organs like a heart, a kidney, a brain, gastrointestinal tract. Or an, an ultrasound, an MRI and a blood test. So uh, many of the doctors, when if they don't find anything, then they just say, you know, then it's, if it's not there, then it's in your mind. And the other side of it is that there is the mind that also might create a lot of the um, illnesses or the aches and the pain and the suffering that shows up with that, right? Yes, absolutely. We know that a lot of our unwellness starts right here mm -hmm. at the top. There's also uh, this concept of when we uh, hold emotions and um we've had traumas or where we've held emotions and we haven't really worked through like what you talked about being in a relationship if something whether it's my relationship to work or my mate or any of those relationships in life that is not working that as i'm not handling them they will put a stress in my body in different areas whether they're going to show up as stress or pain or they're going to show up exactly as um, you know some sort of a disease can you share a little bit about that Yes, as a matter of fact, I found out during my journey, um, just re within the last decade, I, I found out about ACE, Adverse Childhood Experiences. Are you familiar with that? Wow. 
really, that needs to be taught in medical training. We just did, I didn't get a drop of that stuff. And what has happened in our childhood affects us. I mean, it just stays in our memory, you know, in our emotions, which is our limbic system. And I point to the back because it's right back, right back here, everybody. <laughs> and it's got, it's called the limbic system just remembers trauma and it em- remembers it with emotion. And when something comes up in your life, that could be a trigger, you know, we've all heard the word trigger that can just set us off and, and we can start popping off in a relationship. You know, my husband, I mean, I remember my, my husband, and I've been married now for 41 years and I, I now realize that some of the times when I was popping off and getting angry at him, it was just going back to stuff that had happened in my, in my childhood, but you can learn how to repair your past. You know, your future has no room for your past. And if you're stuck in an emotion, stuck in an event in your, in your past, get it healed up. There's so many different ways to get it healed up. I know that you've got a program that you talk about to help people heal from their past, which we'll talk about. And I just encourage people get healed so that you can move into your best future, your next best life, your next best story. Cause we're not meant to be stuck in the past in a situation that happened, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not downplaying what's happened to a lot of us in our past. It can really hurt our heart, but it's time to get healed and move forward. And and that's what helped me with my journey. Absolutely. Like any other disease. I think that when, um, when you look at a disease, there's a, you're not at ease with something. So if it's coming, Mm -hmm. if the source of it is something that showed up in your childhood, obviously we want to get healed the same way as we want to get healed out of any type of disease that we might have gotten from our childhood. You know, Mm -hmm. we check and we go to the doctors and we try to do all the treatments, uh, even if it's a childhood disease, it's the same thing. If we've been, you know, facing something in childhood, which brought up a lot of this ease for us that I think that we need to do that too. So very well said. Thank you. Now from when you're talking about doctor on a mission, um, <laughs> working with Alzheimer's, dementia, a lot of the cognitive decline and depression, um, you're working pretty much primary with the brain and the, um, you know, the, like the neurology of the brain. What are some of the things that you um, you're doing? Um, how do you support and how does functional medicine support these type of diseases? Well, um, are you familiar with Dr. Dale Bredesen, who wrote the book, The End of Alzheimer's? No, please share with us. Oh, well, Dr. Dale Bredesen uh, has written a book called The End of Alzheimer's, and he's shown about 1,700 doctors around the world how to help prevent and reverse, yes, I did say reverse, Alzheimer's and cognitive decline. And I've been blessed to be taught by him, and now my husband is a chef and the culinary nutrition expert, so we're working together through telemedicine, helping people specifically in Australia and New Zealand. So, cause there, I, I know how to work with the system down here in New Zealand and Australia, but there's so many things that we can do to help reverse our cognitive decline. But most importantly, people, gosh, it would be great if people would understand that the prevention is where it's at. Like we, what we do to prevent Alzheimer's and cognitive decline actually begins in our 40s and 50s, not when we start showing symptoms. Pardon? 60. So tell me, tell me. Pardon? 
So I just turned 60. So definitely well, tell me. I well, well, I just want to say welcome to the 60s. It's the best. And um, I encourage you to just know that you will hit 100 smart and strong and sexy and just full blown, just your best self. OK, yeah. <laughs> and I always tell my husband, hey, the 60s is the new 40s. We've just got a lot of wisdom in us, you know. So, uh, so one of the things that we learn is to take care of our brain health. Sleep is so important. So making sure that we're sleeping seven to nine hours every single night is key. Um, and a lot of women, a lot of men aren't, you know, there's so many sleeping tablets that are being used around the world to, for that. Um, also, if you are suffering with anxiety and depression, please get that taken care of because you have an increased risk of having Alzheimer's if you are suffering from anxiety and depression. And that's something, I mean, in 2014, in 2013, I started, I gave away private practice because I was just really tired, um, just not really taking good care of my patients. And in 2013, we started Doctor on a Mission because uh, I wanted to help prevent and reverse disease, you know, and take good care of people. And everything was fine, you know. So I'm a doctor, a wife, a mother, and a brand new entrepreneur, something that we did not learn in medical training. No. And everything went well the first year. But in 2014, I was 54 years old, menopausal, but I didn't realize I was menopausal as a lot of women don't realize it. And but after, and I just went through a lot of anxiety and I started to experience anxiety and depression. And I ended up only sleeping two to three hours every night for 17 nights. And by the end of those 17 nights, I tried to take my life twice in three days. And by the grace of God, that plan was stopped by my daughter and my husband took me to see the doctor and the doctor said, no, you need to see a psychiatrist. And, you know, for a medical doctor to be told you have to see a psychiatrist is, it's a taboo. And the doctor said to me, Isabel, you need to be on this sleeping tablet and you need to be on this antidepressant for the rest of your life. Not checking any of my hormones or any of that stuff or how my sleep was or what my eating was or what my gut health was you know, what, what my relationships were. He didn't know because we're not trained to understand that anxiety and depression can lead us into Alzheimer's later on in life. And that women are at an increased risk, actually two thirds of women, Alzheimer's, two thirds of the population of Alzheimer's is by women. And a lot of it is because of anxiety and depression and our brain health, our hormones have a lot to do with it. So I went on a five-year journey. I, I said, yes, I will take the medication. I'll do whatever I've got to do. But deep down inside, I knew mm, we'll see about that. We'll see if I'm going to be on this medication for the rest of my life. And essentially it was a five-year winter and I'm not a winter person. I don't like winter. Do you like winter? No, I'm a summer person. Yeah, me too. I'm a tropical flower, but I went through a five-year winter where everything was really hard. We spent a lot of money, did a lot of personal development, learned a lot of things about anxiety and depression and functional medicine that's not being taught. And a lot of people don't know. And so now I'm on the other side 
61, strong, happy, out of my winter. And I know how to stay away from the buffet of anxiety and depression. And that's what we're doing, you know, with, with what we're doing at Dr. On a Mission and learning what I've learned from Dr. Dale Bredesen. I'm like, oh my gosh, we got to tell the world that anxiety and depression increases the risk of Alzheimer's. Cause that's like not common sense. It is. So it isn't, it, you know, it's uh, supported as three different diseases, although anxiety and depression sometimes comes together, but yeah, the relatedness to the decline of the cognition and then, you know, turning into dementia and Alzheimer's is not necessarily a public concept that it's related. Um, I, it makes a lot of good sense of why it would be related. You're accurate that it doesn't. Um, and then when you're looking at um, working with the anxiety and depression, from um, looking at the bigger picture of all of it and looking at it from you know the gut, the, uh, the physical aspect and obviously the psychological aspect, um, how do you support? Because you're also talking about the nutrition and the sleep and all of those things. I relate so much to what you were saying. I had a perimenopausal, which was you know started at age 38. And by mm. age 43, I was fully menopausal. And about five years, six years after that, I became so depressed that I couldn't even, first of all, I couldn't even walk up the stairs. That's how like my even body was depressed. Like it wouldn't move. And then I used to sit with my clients and talk to them. And then after they left, I would, you know, shut down all of the lights and just sit there and cry. And I kept saying like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know. There's nothing wrong. All my life is working well. What's wrong? I don't know. And it was the first time that I, you know, it's like, okay, I can go to doctors and the doctors kept telling me it's in my mind. And then the other was like, no, it isn't in my mind. What am I supposed to do with this experience? And then I went and checked my hormones and everything was flat. And, you know, and then I started with hormone therapy and it's like brought life back into me <laughs> in that sense, you know? And it's, it gave me so much amazing concepts of, I work obviously from a psychological place with people from the depression but these two are so intertwined the physical aspect of us and the you know the psychological aspect are so intertwined when it comes to depression and anxiety and you can't just look at one aspect you've got to be able to look at all of it and you know um in, in all the sense so i love it that you and your husband are looking at this piece in such a holistic way and an integral level so for some people who are, for example, experiencing some depression or anxiety, what are um, your approach from a functional medicine toward uh, the depression or anxiety? Oh, well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, there's so many areas that you need to start looking at. Number one is your gut health take care of your gut health. And there's tests that you can do with a functional medicine doctor or practitioner. Uh, sleep, you got to get your sleep under control. I mean, 24 hours of sleep deprivation can make you suicidal. 17 made me, so I'm pretty strong. But that training happened in medical training because we're taught how to survive and be strong and bold, you know, and we're hot if we're just sleeping on, living off two hours or three hours. Um, uh, stress, 
hormones, women, get your men, get your hormones checked. When people say it's all in your head, yeah, it's affecting your head. And we need to start looking at our head as not mental illness. This is not a mental illness issue. This is a brain unwellness. We need to look at the brain as an organ, just like we look at the heart. You know, we go to the cardiologist, we take care of, you know, our risk for heart attacks. Um, we need to stop looking at brain health as something you know, taboo. We need to start looking at the brain as taking care of the whole body. Um, other things is your ACE, you know, looking back at your adverse childhood experiences. There's so many things, you know, that I work with. I do have a, a private Facebook group that will probably be in the show notes down below uh, called the Shame-Free Anxiety and Depression Community for Women. Because I understand women. Men is a different kettle. <laughs> And um, the reason we called it community is because, look, life is way too hard to do alone. So I teach in there. And so does my, my husband, who was alongside me every step of the way. When you talk about the gut health, can you share a bit about uh, what do you mean? And is it more like the food that we eat or is it that uh, there are bacteria there that we just don't know about and we have to check is, you know, we might have symptomology because we gain bacteria and have just have no idea, or is it because of the food and the types of food that we eat that creates anxiety and depression and the bacteria? Well, food definitely is our medicine and food will affect the way we think food. If we're not eating well, it will affect our brain and your gut, as you know, is your second brain. I mean, that's where 80% of our, of our serotonin and dopamine are created. So you want to make sure that all the bacteria are living happy. You know, that it's not the bad bacteria or haven't overtaken the good bacteria. You want it to have some bad and some good bacteria living together, just like we live with weeds, you know, in a garden. There's some weeds, but they don't overtake the, the plant. Want to make sure you don't have parasites. You don't want to make sure you don't have H. pylori, which is a bacteria that can cause car, uh, cancer of the stomach. Um you want to make sure, you know, your gut bacteria, your gut health also helps you understand if you've got, if you don't have, if you've got leaky gut. So your gut health is so important. I mean, the printout that I get is about a seven page report, just showing me, okay, what's going on, what needs to be focused on. And not everybody is off balance. Some people just need a little tweaking, you know, and that may take over three to six months, but some people have a lot of issues and then that may take up to a year. It's not like a quick fix. Um, I have been working with one client for many, many years that she's going through a lot of ups and downs and she goes through a lot of pain in her body. And, uh, you know, she has also gone through the concept of getting addicted to some of these pain pills because her body was going through so much. And it was interesting, most of the years that we've worked and every time she went into psych psychiatrist gave her a lot of different types of medication. Finally, we, you know, she connected with um, an institute in here, which they do not only the um, PET scan um, of the brain and they see that. This was the first doctor who's actually a psychiatrist. It was the first doctor to actually check for the gut uh, matters and then uh, for mold and- um, Yes. Oh. And she, he found out that she has Lyme disease and oh. no other doctors even checked for two to three years. And that's a dangerous disease to have. And nobody found out. 
So it, it, and it was a lot of her psychological ups and downs and depressions and the ups and downs were even were related to the gut issues and to the Lyme disease. But it was more like just being um, kind of like pressed down with a lot of the psychotropic medication, but it just wasn't working. None of the psychotropic medications were working because obviously there was something else going on in that place. So it's so important when you know you have someone like yourself that is looking at all the aspects versus someone who only specializes in one thing, <laughs> trying to look at one thing. And then if it's not working, you know, we usually call the patient, okay, there's just resistance. They're not looking at, you know what I'm saying? It's not looking at maybe yes. it's not finding what's going on. Absolutely. Amen. I get you. I, I've been trained in conventional medicine. I understand what we're thinking, you know, you see, you see, somebody who's homeless walking across the street, um, I look at them and go, wow, you know, what's their blood sugars? Wow. Um, what are they eating? What, what's their gut health? What's their toxic load? You know, but my colleague would probably say, oh, they're just not taking their medication. Well, that, you know, people aren't born with medication deficiencies. There's accumulation of stuff that happens to us. So I just feel very blessed that the Institute of Functional Medicine has come about. And I believe that it's going to be the way we do medicine, but it's going to happen in about 20 years because, you know, it's hard to move the Titanic, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm assuming that slowly but surely it comes to, to the concept of looking at things in a holistic level and yeah. get connected. I think for all of the specializations to be able to get connected, even if, if, if one person is not specialized in all of it, but at least they are the, 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 the place, the hub that assesses for these things and sees, okay, these are the issues. And then from that hub, it can go into other specialized people. If they need to, you will refer them to other specialized people, but the hub is missing. Like what you said, somebody who looks at all of this from all these different angles so that the, uh, the client, the patient really captures uh, somebody's, somebody's looking at all of it, not just one part of it. And I think that's the goal here. That is so useful to be able to know that you go to a doctor and the doctor is looking at all aspects of it. So beautiful. So thank you. My pleasure. Um, in one minute, if there's anything we haven't touched upon and that you really want people to know, what would that be? Find a doctor that you can work with. Remember the doctor works for you. It's a relationship. If your doctor's not hearing you, you don't have to be with that doctor. I can't tell you how many people are like, my doctor doesn't listen to me. We're supposed to listen to you and figure this out and not just fluff you off. So just be empowered that you can find a doctor that works with you. You're not stuck with one. Beautiful. And where can they find you? Well, I'm going to go ahead and send a link in the show notes. So please come and join us at the shame-free anxiety and depression community for women. You know, if anybody, or if you're experiencing anxiety and depression, come and learn from us. And we've also got a great website where you can get some freebies and it's called Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R on a mission.com. Beautiful. Dr. Isabel Hunsinger, it was a joy to have you with us. And thank you so much for uh, being from so far away. <laughs> <laughs>
yet so close. <laughs> and for all of you out there, create an amazing life for yourself. And until next week, bye-bye.